free speech is meaningless unless you allow people uh, you don't like to say things you don't like. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Um, and if at the point at which you lose uh, free speech, uh, it doesn't come back. I, th I think the issue some people have is that a lot of people were brought back. I mean, some people were brought back who uh, were previously banned for spreading things like uh, QAnon conspiracies. You have people like Andrew Tate who were brought back who were previously uh, banned for things like hate speech. Do you think you prioritize freedom of, of speech over misinformation and hate speech? Well, you know, who's to say that something is misinformation? Um, who's the arbiter of that? Is it the BBC? Yeah, you're literally asking me. Yes. Well, no, you, you, are, the, the you are the arbiter on Twitter because you own Twitter. Yes, I'm saying who, who is to say that one person's misinformation is another person's information? Um, the point at which you, you say that there is, uh, this is misinformation. Like, who is but going you, but to decide that? you misinformation can be dangerous, that it can cause yes. real-world harms, that it can potentially cause... Um, yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is that the BBC itself has, at times, published things that are false. Do you agree that that has occurred? I, 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 I'm quite sure the BBC have uh, said things before that turn out to not be true. Correct. In, in its, whatever it is, 100-year history, I'm quite sure. Yes. Even if you aspire to be accurate, there are times when it will, you, you will not be. We've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Is that what hate speech are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter, right? Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do you? Do? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally, but I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that in that content you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is that I'm, what not, you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm, saying, well, I'm just curious. What you, I'm, just, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and, if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's what I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. I, I, honestly, I you don't, can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you said actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only, well, well, I only look well, at hang my, on a second. My you said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and I. Well, I, then I how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. And I'm asking for one example. Right, and and I, you can't I, give a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying I've, I, I, then I, I say so that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What no no what I claim was. Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether, whether it has on my feed or example. not, 
I mean, I, right. And Literally, if you, you look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U in the UK, they will say that. So they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Then, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know there's hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We, have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, wow. COVID misinformation. You Amazing. You changed the COVID misinformation. Has rules. BBC changed its COVID misinformation? The BBC does not set the rules on Twitter, so I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm literally Has, asking you about, you changed the labels, the COVID misinformation labels. There used to be a policy, and then, it then disappeared. Why, why do that? Okay, COVID is no longer an issue. Does the BBC uh, hold itself at all responsible for misinformation regarding masking and side effects of vaccinations? and not reporting on that at all? And what about the fact that the BBC was put under pressure by the British government to change its editorial policy? Are you aware of that? This is, a, this is not an interview about the BBC. Oh, so. you thought it wasn't? <laughs> and this, I see now why you've done Twitter Spaces. I am not a representative of the BBC's editorial policy. I want to make that clear. Let's talk about something else. You want I'm to talk about the BBC. All right, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about something else. You weren't expecting that. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison. Now, here's a fucking fun one. NPR, NPR fucking rage quit on Twitter while also admitting Elon Musk was right the whole time. Because they're like, we're not state-funded media. We're just heavily funded through tax dollars given us to us by the government. And Elon Musk was like, well... Did you just admit that you're state-funded media? And they said, fuck this platform, and they quit. TLDR. But let's get into the actual article, shall we? NPR quits Twitter over Elon Musk's state-affiliated media label. Flap. Flap. It's an interesting title. Can't vote for Trump. And I go, I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Biden. Bizarre how far he's deteriorated. And I, you know, when I was talking about it during the, the election... Uh, and people were like, I was actually talking about it with Eric Weinstein, and he was like, I mean, I can't vote for Biden. And he goes, I can't vote for Trump. And I go, I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Biden. Just because I think with Biden, like, he's no, he's, he's gone. Like, you know he's gone. It's, you're going to be relying on his cabinet. And I knew his cabinet would be this sideshow of diversity, and which is exactly what it is. That had absolutely nothing to do with the topic at hand. But it's a fun video nonetheless. Let's get into it. Article by Thomas Barabi. That's a really cool name. Published April 12th, 2023, and it was recently updated. National Public Radio said Wednesday it is quitting Twitter in response to the decision by the social media platform billionaire owner. This amount of money is completely irrelevant. To label the other to label outlets accounts as state affiliated media, NPR said it is quote turning away from Twitter, and will no longer post new content across its 52 accounts. Good, 
Bye. Remove yourself from the conversation. We appreciate you. Across its 52 accounts on the social media site, the outlet urged readers to find its content in other ways, like Mastodon. Right, guys? Quote, NPR's organizational accounts will no longer be active on Twitter because the platform is taking actions that undermine our credibility by falsely implying that we are not editorially independent, NPR said in a statement to the Post on its decision. Now, here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing. They said that after they were after the title was changed from state affiliated media to government funded media. And either way you break it, that dictionarily, definitionally wise, both are accurate if you receive government funding. Because government funding is stolen taxpayer wealth. So they got mad that they got called out for receiving government funding. And then said, we have full control over our editorial board. And I was like, well, no one said you didn't. We just said you received money from the government. Why'd you say that? And they said, um, we're done talking. Fuck you. And leave. Uh, that's great. I love it. Quote, uh, NPR, by falsely implying that we're not editorially independent, NPR said in a statement to the Post on its decision, quote, we are not pulling our journalism on the our journalism on the platform that have demonstrated an interest in undermining our credibility and the public's understanding of our editorial independence. The statement added, The Post has reached out to Twitter for comment. Musk recently set Twitter's email accounts for press requests to auto reply to all inquiries with poop emoji. Ah, that's funny. Musk raised eyebrows last week, tweeting Twitter's decision to slap the state-affiliated media label on NPR's main account. The same designation that applies to government-run accounts such as Russia Today and China's Sehuan, or is that... Yeah, that's Sehuan, right? News agency. (coughs) Now let's hop over here. Government-funded media. Yeah, because you receive heavy amounts of your funding in the high 80% from the federal government, which means you're funded by stolen wealth. I hate to tell you. And here's the thing. NPR only exists, and we'll go into this here in a minute. NPR only exists because of an act of Congress. It is the only media outlet that exists because Congress created it. That is terrifying. It's really funny because just the other day I was shitting on NPR like a week ago. And now here we are talking about NPR. Weird. Ah, NPR produces consequential independent journalism every day in service to the public. Here's where you can find and read our work. Subscribe. Sign up for the first newsletter. Download NPR app to read. Listen and connect to your local NPR show. I mean member stations. Enable push alerts. No. How about no? I don't think I will. At the time, Musk shared language from Twitter's guidelines that defined state-affiliated media as outlets where the state exercises control over editorial content through financial resources, direct or independent political pressures, and or control over production and distribution. Well, when the government is the main person giving you money, they control your production. 
They also control your distribution because without money, you can't do either of those. And if you don't, like, are we supposed to just assume that there's no pressure from the federal government to have a political lean one way or another? Get fucking real. NPR, for being a tax-funded site, has been very openly left-wing. And I will never forgive NPR for one reason. It gave us Anthony fucking Fantano. That was a mistake. I just can't forgive it. After a public outcry by NPR, the White House and various other critics Twitter's Twitter reversed course and changed the label to government-funded media, the same designation given to the BBC. And Elon Musk admits he really likes the BBC. NPR deri- uh, derives the majority of its uh, yeah derives most of its revenue from a sponsorship deals and customer fees. The organization said it receives less than one percent of its three hundred million annual budget from the federally funded. Uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Okay. Stand corrected for now. NPR CEO John Lansing said the decision to quit Twitter was necessary to protect the brand's journalistic reputation from a shadow of negativity. What are you scared of? Why are you running? You'll retreat if you're winning or if you are being honest. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing to do. <sighs> See here, government-funded media. NPR was labeled state-affiliated media, prompting an uproar. Oh, pardon me. Quote, the downside, whatever the downside, doesn't change the fact, Lansing said in an interview posted on NPR's website, quote, I would never have our content go anywhere that would risk our credibility. Why are you scared of a challenge? Why are you scared of pushback? What are you running from? If you have the facts on your side... If you have arguments that you can stand by, why are you fleeing? You are surrendering the battlefield, and I don't get why. If you are, indeed, dealing exclusively in unbiased facts, what do you care of the challenges? When you get called out, you can be like, cope and seethe, bitch, here's the receipts. But you're running. You're running away. You are being accused, metaphorically, of having a body in your trunk. The whole neighborhood's around you. There's one There's one neighbor, uh, neighbor Elon, is pointing at you saying, this person has a corpse in their trunk. And the whole neighborhood's like, well, if you don't, just show us. And instead of being like, fine, fuck you, look, and showing there's no body in your trunk, you got in your car and you drove off after saying, fuck all of you. I hate to tell it to you, you look kind of suspicious, homie. That's not real innocent behavior not to sound like george bush over here if you have nothing to hide you have nothing to fear but i'm just saying no one is forcing you to run away no one is pressuring you there was just a label change just tell people that you receive government funding and your response is we are we are editorially independent and we don't need to prove it we're just leaving bro you look like a little pussy and i know there's some listeners out there who are like i don't like your crass language I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm not changing for you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the content as far as you have. But come on, man. Free speech. Well, absolutely. And um, there's plenty of other people delivering the content. I am just not as vulgar. Might I recommend somebody like uh, Heck Off Kami? Actually, because I, I don't want to be a dick. I, I actually respect people being like, I don't like the way you curse. No one has told me to stop cursing. They've just said like, you know, too much curse words in. So I want to give you a recommendation to people you can enjoy that don't curse. Um. Uh, 
if you're on the right specifically, uh, you have Heckoff County with John Doyle. Um, he's pretty, you can slap him on in front of the family. Uh, Glenn Beck. Um, Tim Poole doesn't usually curse, though he seems to be a little bit more curse happy lately. Uh, Crowder, he tends to bleep himself, and uh, at most PG-13. So, you know, those are some people you can go check out if you're really concerned about cursing. You know, I want to make sure you get information, but I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, fuck this guy. Well, you know, whatever. Anyway, a little tangent aside, you know, make sure you stay informed and always fact check me and anybody you listen to. You know, we could always lie. We can always manipulate what we're telling you to push a narrative. So just make sure you double check everything we tell you. I've just received a couple messages saying something about how I uh, how I talk, and I just wanted to address it. I want people coming around expecting me to uh, suddenly, you know, edit edit how I talk because you just be you know waiting for it to rain cats and dogs, basically waiting for money to grow on trees, as my uncle would say. That doesn't exist. Quote, at this point, I've lost, uh, let's see, Lansing NPR, activity on Twitter. Okay, the downside, whatever, is we uh, control, we risk our credibility. Lansing added that NPR would not resume activity on Twitter, even if Musk removed the label entirely. Quote, wow, you guys are just really gone. All right, we'll be, I bet if Trump came back, NPR would be back, but I'm going to bet this right now. NPR will be back within a few days, if that. At this point, I have lost my faith in the decision-making at Twitter, he added. I would need some time to understand whether Twitter can be trusted again. All right, bye, bitch. No one will fucking miss you. Toodaloo. Au revoir. Fuck off. The NPR CEO noted that the outlet's reporters and other employees could make their own decisions on whether to remain on Twitter. I bet there's some sort of behind-the-scenes promotion or some sort of incentive they're giving out to make people leave. Um, three comments to read them. Tuscaro. Uh, they, thir- uh, they have thoughtfully listed the other, uh, the other formants via which we may stay connected with their consequential progressive handwriting. Okay. Uh, Dutch Dylan, your terms are acceptable. I like how NPR tried to say it was inaccurate by stating they receive money from the government. The government hardly gives us any money. Okay, cool. Then you shouldn't care if it gets taken away. Tell them. I really like Dutch Dylan. That's a great one. NPR might be editorially independent, but they certainly have not editorially. Diver- they are certainly not editorially diverse. They overwhelmingly represent one point of view on every political subject. Yeah, they told you the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, and then when it was told it was absolutely factual, they said, "Well, there's no story here. It's a waste of time to report on it." They also reported every line narrative from the the entire regime during the COVID crisis and pandemic. And unlike a lot of other left-wing outlets, CNN, or uh, sorry, NPR has never publicly stated we were wrong. And a lot of outlets were like, all right, can we just see eye to eye here? We made some mistakes, but, you know, we were trying to keep everybody safe. A lot of outlets like CBC... Uh, CNN and a lot of the other outlets ran this this fucking apologist article begging for forgiveness. NPR didn't. I'm just saying, NPR is absolutely owned by the government. Now, about them being formed by the government. Now we're over here at NP- at, uh, sorry, at Wikipedia. I know, Wikipedia, whatever. But, for the most part, this information checks out. I'll leave a link to the whole article in the description below. 1970s, National Public Radio, 
<clears throat> let me actually do this in an NPR voice real quick. Hold on. Let me scooch you. Ah. <clears throat> Drink some coffee real quick. In the 1970s, National Public Radio replaced the National Education Radio Network on February 26, 1970, following congressional passage of the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967. This act was signed into law by the 36th President, Lyndon B. Johnson, who had a big Johnson. There's pictures of it. Look it up. And established the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, CB, CPB, which also created the Public Broadcasting Service for Television in addition to NPR, a CPB organization committee under John Wotherspoon first created a board of directors chaired by Bernard Myers. So in the 1970s, NPR was created by the federal government and funded by the federal government exclusively originally. The board then hired Donald Qualley to be the first president of NPR with 30 employees and 90 charter, charter members local station, and studios in Washington, D.C. NPR... What the fuck? Sketchy as hell. Sorry. NPR aired its first broadcast in April, on April 20th, 1971, covering United States Senate hearings on the ongoing Vietnam War in Southeast Asia, because it was originally designed to be a propaganda arm of the government from the very beginning. Remember, folks... NPR told you the Gulf of Tonkin was totally an actual attack on America and not a self-inflicted wound to justify an invasion of Vietnam, folks. If you don't know, the uh, <laughs> the entire, uh, you know, Tonkin issue and whatnot, well, it was a government false flag operation to justify the invasion of Vietnam, but you will not find NPR talking about that now, will you? It was tantamount to a declaration of war, but it was based on a lie. After decades of public skepticism and government secrecy, the truth finally came out in the early 2000s. Nearly 200 documents were declassified and released by the National Security Agency, NSA, that show that there was no attack on August 4th. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was a false flag incident. The government staged an attack and then lie to you about who did it. Please, don't think too hard about 9-11. It might be bad for you. <clears throat> hey, whatever happened to 9-11truth.org's founder? I can't remember. Something Breitbartian, if I remember correctly. 1980s. NPR suffered an almost fatal setback in 1983 when efforts to expand services created a deficit of nearly $7 million of all taxpayer funds at the time, equivalent to $19 million in 2022 dollars. After a congressional investigation and resignation of NPR's then-president Frank Makowitz, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting agreed to lend the network money to starve off bankruptcy. Corporate bailouts. Don't you love it? 
In exchange, NPR agreed to a new arrangement whereby the annual CPB stipend, stipend that it had previously received directly would be divided among local stations instead. In turn, those stations would support NPR productions on a subscription basis. NPR also agreed to turn its saddle its yeah, its satellite service into a cooperative venture. Translation NPR and fellow associated news stations for example the Associated Press in exchange for money swore absolute allegiance to the federal government and surrendered all of its assets to the federal government. Please think not too hard about government surveillance and the Restriction Act right now and how it's basically the Patriot Act 2.0. Now we're going to order to start with bankruptcy and stipend that had previously localization that's done in return. That you're making it possible for non-NPR shows to get national distribution, it took NPR approximately three years to pay off the debt. 1990s, Delano Lewis, the president of CNP Telephone, left that position to become NPR CEO and president. In January 1994, Lewis resigned in August 1998. In November 1998, NPR's board of directors hired Kevin Close, the director of the International Broadcasting Bureau government agencies as its president and chief executive officer nice the feds are fully in control npr spent nearly 13 million to acquire and equip west coast 2005 square foot production facility npr west which opened in clover city los angeles county california in november 20 let's you know what i'm gonna leave all this here before if you guys want to read it, description below. We're going to speed up a little bit. Right here. In 2020, NPR released its financial year of 2021, anticipating revenue of $250 million, a slight decrease from the prior year due to impacts of COVID-19. The budget anticipates $240 million in operation expenses, plus additional debt services and capital costs that lead to a cash deficit of approximately $4 million. The budget includes $25 million in budget cuts, funding pre-2000 during the 1970s and early 80s. The majority of NPR's funding from the, from the federal government steps were taken during the Reagan administration in the 1980s to completely wean NPR off the government support. I wish. But the 1983 funding crisis forced the network to make immediate changes. Again, something, something Reagan gets celebrated for, but another thing he gets celebrated for even though he fucking failed on that front. Reagan was, Reagan's kind of like the most overrated Republican president out there. I'll have that argument. Funding in the 2000s, according to CB, CPB in 2009, um, according to CBP in 2009, 11.3% of the aggregate revenues of all public radio broadcasting stations were funded from federal sources. Participating through CPB in 2012, 10.9% of the revenue of our uh, four public radio came from the federal sources. In 2010, NPR revenues totaled $180 million, 
with the bulk of revenues coming from programming fees, grants and uh, grants from foundations or business entities, contributions and sponsorships. According to 2009 financial statements, about 50% of NPR's revenues came from fees it charges members for programming and distribution. Typically, NPR member stations receive funds through on-air pledge drives. Corporate underwriting uh, corporate un- uh, sorry, corporate underwriting, state and local government still your tax dollars at work. Keep that in mind. Education institutions still likely more of your money, and the federally funded corporations for public broadcasting and brought to by taxpayers like you. Thank you. In twenty, uh, I said almost said in twenty oh nine in two thousand nine, members. Of the station uh, derived 6%, while NPR does not receive any direct federal funding. What? Oh, okay, I accidentally skipped a uh, part of it. Their revenue from federal, state, and local government funding, 10% of their revenue from CPB grants, 14% of their revenue from universities, while NPR does not receive any direct, note the wording, any direct funding, uh, federal funding, it does receive a small number of competitive grants from CPB and federal agencies like the Department of Education and Department of Commerce, a.k.a. government funding. Bleh. What a weird fucking verb it's just to get to the... But a good chunk of its funding does come from these... It doesn't receive direct federal funding, but it does receive funding from these handful of government agencies. Let me ask you, where do you think these government agencies get their money from? Say it with me, folks. It steals it from taxpayers. You and me, everyone listening to this, everyone liking and hating on this video, you're paying for this, like it or not. But all right. This funding amounts to approximately 2% of NPR's overall revenues. Still, they are government-funded. They receive government funds. Funding, even if it's just 2%, that's still millions of dollars. Like, get fucking real here. Of NPR's overall revenue, in 2011, NPR announced the rollout of their own online advertising network, which allows member stations to run geographically targeted advertisement spots from national sponsors that may otherwise be unavailable to their local area. Operation, operating, opening additional revenue streams to the broadcasters. Center Stage, a mix of native advertising and banner ad featured prominently on the NPR homepage above the fold, was launched in 2013. The launch partner for Center Stage was Squarespace. Squarespace? Wild update there. In 2014, is that the same Squarespace that does like all like the lessons and shit? That like has paid memberships? And also receives government funding? Sketchy. In 2024, if it's the same Squarespace, it has to be, right? I mean, how many Squarespaces can there be? This thing funds, like, every YouTube channel ever. It is. Okay. Interesting. Moving forward, did not know that was a government company. NPR homepage above the fold. Launch partnership center stage was Squarespace. Wild. In 2014, NPR CEO, Jarl Morn... Skyrim you crawl out of said the network would begin to increase revenue by having brands NPR views as more relevant to the audience under uh, underwrite NPR programs and requesting higher rates from them translation 
we are collecting your data and selling it to advertisers in order to more accurately target you and trigger certain neurons to make you consume product. Now, actually, I'm okay with you consuming product. If it's a good product, consume product. If not, don't consume product. Tell product to go fuck itself. For the year ending September 30th, 2018, total opening revenues were $235 million, increasing to almost $259 million by September 2019. Now, let's see. Is there any updates past that? Not really. All right. Well, I guess that's going to kind of wrap this up here. I'll, uh... What? Hold on. Sexual harassment October. Sexual harassment charges were levied against Michael Orska, senior vice president of news and editorial direction since 2015. Since, uh... Some of the accusations dated back to when he was Washington, D.C. bureau chief for the New York Times during the 1990s while others involving involved his conduct at NPR, Jesus Christ, where eight women filed sexual harassment complaints against Orskis after a report on the Times accusations was published. The Washington Post, Jesus Christ, everyone's here. NPR and Orskis on administrative, put, uh, put him on administrative leave, and the following day, his resignation was requested. CNN's Brian Skelter reported that NPR staffers were dissatisfied with the handling of Orskis and were demanding an external investigation and that was Orskis' uh, position in the newsroom atmosphere by abusing his position to meet young women. Orskis resigned uh, at the request of the CEO, Yalmon. Yalmon. Man? Be man, right? Was denied severance and separation benefits and reimbursed NPR 1,800 in expenses account charges related to his meetings with women. Wild. All right, well, I'll leave this whole thing in the description below. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. Got some more episodes coming out for you today. And until next time, I'll catch you guys later. Bye.